0: Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday service of Free Community Church. Thank you for joining us today, and for those of you joining us online, we're so glad to have you with us too. Let's take a moment to greet one another. If you're on site, please turn to your neighbor and give them a wave. And if you're joining us remotely, please feel free to type a greeting in the chat, and our friendly moderators will be there to respond to any messages. As we enter into this sacred time, please stand as you're willing and able and join me in the call to worship Hungry for meaning? Welcome home Thirsty for purpose? Welcome Welcome home Yearning for comfort? Welcome Welcome home home. Burning for challenge? Welcome Welcome home. home ready for learning
1: welcome Welcome home
0: home. eager for serving welcome Welcome home and and welcome welcome to to worship. worship let's remain standing and join our hearts and voices in a time of praise and worship
2: Your presence sing. Jesus light the way
0: be seated. Let us bring our thanksgiving and concerns before God in prayer. God Almighty, you alone can bring healing. You alone can conquer evil. We pray in regards to the killing of 18 children and two teachers in a Texas school. You are present with those who grieve their losses and also the children and the school staff who survived and are affected. We pray for changes to public opinion regarding gun laws. God, we live in a world where some tragedies get more media attention than others. You are just as present with the families who grieve for the 11 babies who died in a hospital fire in Senegal a million people affected by floods in India and 280 million people who are in danger of malnutrition as a result of food shortages influenced by the war in Ukraine. The magnitude of the numbers overwhelm us. But to you, each number represents a person you know and love. So help us not to turn away. The more we, pray, more we pay attention, the more we pray, the more opportunities you'll have to wake our conscience, to change our hearts, and to move us to action. We thank you for opportunities to care for people in our community through the team art project and home visits. You told us that when we do an act of kindness, to the very least, we are doing it to you. You are the one who is lying in a hospital bed, living in a rental flat, and on death row. Help us to see that it is always you we are serving. We thank you for those who set the example among us, for Kin's work organizing the food drive donations, and with Molly visiting Teresa in the new old folks' home. We pray that Teresa may enjoy good health and spirits each day. We pray for Miak takes his leave to rest and enjoy activities and time with family. Likewise, we pray for school-age youth as they start their school holiday to enjoy their time of school and play with friends and family. Meet us here today through the preaching of your word and the music that inspires us to worship you. Gracious God, to you be all glory and praise.
2: Safe in your love, your army of angels, watch over.
3: will be. In every triumph, every failure, you are loyal to me. You are faithful and you always will be. In every hour, every minute. Every i am every failure you are loyal to me you are faithful and you always will be you are faithful and you always will be. Strength and shield, and I have confidence. You go before.
4: indeed, we never walk alone, and how much we can gain strength and courage from that, to know that God walks with us, always, every moment. So good morning, and welcome to our service this morning. For those of you on site, so nice to see all your faces, both new faces as well as old-timers. So nice to see you. And those of you online, hi, welcome. I can't see you, um, but I wanted you to know and to welcome you in the love of the Lord. So this morning I wanted to invite you to join us on fcc.la slash menti, right? because usually we use uh, menti.com uh, as a way for us to interact during the sermon, Uh, There'll be a couple of questions in there. I'd love to hear your insights, uh, your responses. And that helps build the sermon together. All right, so if you're new with us, uh, the easiest way is to go into uh, any browser and go fcc.la slash menti. It'll take you right into the menti that we have for today. Or if you prefer the more traditional way, you can go into menti.com and use the code up there or the QR code 37147402. All right. So, I'll just give you a couple of minutes uh, to get online. So, last week, Miat spoke about healing and the important difference between healing, what it means to be healed, and what it means to be cured. And if you missed that sermon, you can find it on our YouTube channel. I would encourage you to go check it out. You know, one significant element that is closely related to healing, is that of faith. The issue of faith and healing is quite tricky, because I have heard Christians berate others for having a lack of faith. Have you experienced that before? I've heard of that? And correlating a person's sickness or non-recovery to the amount of faith one has. I think that is at best simplistic, and at worst, it can be very harmful and damaging. One of my friends who was serving in full-time ministry discovered that she had cancer at a relatively young age. And some of her church friends told her the reason why she wasn't recovering was because of her lack of faith, or perhaps some hidden sin in her life. What a horrible thing to say to someone who was already suffering so greatly. It really broke her heart, and it almost broke her spirit. She eventually recovered, thankfully. But her experience reminds me how important our conversations around faith are. We talk a lot about faith because we are a church. But what do we really understand about faith? And today we are looking at a passage that I hope will give us a fresh understanding of faith. I think it might be a familiar passage to many of us, but it's found in Acts 16. And let me read it to you. Once when we were going to prayer, we met a household worker who was possessed by a spirit of divination and who made a great deal of money for her employers through its fortune-telling. So she began to follow Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These are faithful followers of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. And finally, one day, Paul lost his temper. He turned around and he said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave this woman. And it left her that moment. When her employers saw that their profitable operation was now hopelessly dead, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities in the public square and they brought them to the chief magistrates and said, these people are Jews and they're disturbing the peace by advocating practices which is unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. And the crowd joined in and, and the attack on them. And the magistrates stripped them and ordered them to be flogged. They were whipped many times and thrown into prison. And the jailer was told to keep a close watch on them. So, following these instructions, the warden threw them into the innermost cell of the prison and chained their feet to a stake. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God as the other prisoners listened. Suddenly, a severe earthquake shook the place, rocking the prison to its foundation. And immediately, all the doors flew open and everyone's chains were pulled loose. When the jailer woke up and found the doors wide open, he drew a sword and was about to commit suicide, presuming that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, "'Don't harm yourself. We're all still here.' The jailer called for a light and then rushed in and fell trembling at the feet of Paul and Silas. And after a brief interval, let them out and asked them, "'What must I do to be saved?' They answered, believe in Jesus the Saviour and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household. They proceeded to preach the word of God to the jailer and his whole household. At the late hour of the night, he took them in, bathed their wounds, and then he and the whole household were baptized. And he led them up into his house, spread a table before them, and the whole family joyfully celebrated their newfound faith in God. In this story, we see how faith changes not just the individual, but how it has the potential to change the lives of those around them. I mean, we start the story with this household worker, or slave girl in some translations, and how she was exploited by her employers or owners because her fortune-telling brought them a lot of money. And Paul commanded the spirit that was possessing her to leave her, and it did. But that brought a whole host of other problems. Paul and Silas were dragged before the authorities, stripped, flogged many times, before being brought into the animal's dungeon, and had their feet chained to a stake. So I was curious: how would you have responded if you were Paul and Silas, right? you were just minding your own business and then you realize that this girl, this poor girl was possessed, uh, had been following you all days and days and days and so finally you cast out the spirit. But that brings you to the authorities and accusations and all kinds of things and you're thrown into a dungeon. Not just thrown in a dungeon, you are tied to a stick. And you're like, what did I do <laughs> to deserve all this? So how would you have responded if you were Paul and Silas? Do nothing? Yeah? I mean, what could you do, right? You're stuck there. Regret? I shouldn't have done that. Uh, I should have just walked away, maybe. You know? Remorse? Doubt? Yeah, I should have minded my own business, right? Why? Why should I be in jail for doing something good? Angry with God? Yeah, I don't deserve this. This is unfair. Stress eating. <laughs> yes, if there was food in a, in a prison, yes, I think that might be possible. <laughs> Anger. Maybe take that time to reflect. Yeah, maybe. So regret is quite a big thing there, right? I mean, some of us may go, "Ah, oh, should I have done that, man. Yeah, I mean, how, what, what kind of outcome did it get me, you know? Unfairness. I feel like scolding them, right? Injustice, just all this anger and this stress and regret and doubt, frustration The sense of injustice and unfairness, right? That would be usually our human response, right? To sulk, yeah, every right to sulk Just sit and go, why am I the one in prison, right? Trust, wow, yeah To cry out. The power of this story is how Paul and Silas respond to their wrongful imprisonment. They could have become resentful, bitter, angry, regretful maybe, or even fearful for their lives. What's going to happen to us? Will we be killed? Or just feeling hopeless, helpless. I tried to do something good, but here I am, right? accused of something, of a crime that's not even a crime I know I might have felt that way, like many of you Doubt, frustration, anger, the injustice, feeling hopeless But Paul and Silas, they respond by worshipping Praying and singing hymns to God, to be exact Would that be something we would do in that moment of despair? Would we turn to worship, to prayer? Can you imagine if you were one of the other prisoners there with them? In the midst of the darkness, suddenly you hear one voice singing, and you wonder, am I hearing things? Who in their right mind would be singing in a place like this? And then you hear another voice joining in. Two voices. And soon the entire prison is filled with prayers of faith and songs of hope. And you cannot help but feel drawn in. And a sense of peace and comfort comes over you. And then out of nowhere... A huge earthquake shakes the whole prison and you are shocked to see all the doors flying open and everyone's chains pulled loose. Your chains are unfastened and you are free, free at last. And at that moment, you realize it's not just physical freedom you're experiencing. There's something deeper, more profound something has changed deep within you. It's as if your inner chains have been pulled loose and unfastened. So I wanted to ask you, you may not be a physical prisoner like the other prisoners that were with Paul and Silas that day, but I wonder if there are ways in your life that you feel shackled, that you feel chained in some way, trapped, in some way. Could it be some of your ways of thinking? Your ways of feeling? You keep coming back to a certain thought, a feeling that holds you back from being able to do the things you want to do. Perhaps some ways of acting. Things that you don't want to do, but you end up doing. In what ways do you feel shackled in your life? Expectations, absolutely, right? We have tremendous expectations, and sometimes our expectations are good, but sometimes they hold us back. They hold us down. People-pleasing, immobilized by fear. Very true, right? Many of us can identify the people-pleasing, fear, past baggage, illness, right? Life choices, a slave to drugs, Desire, and that's a big one, right? Sometimes we are trapped by our own desires. Mental health struggles, worrying unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. So many things that sometimes hold us back. Some of it is mental, some of it is physical, Some of it is emotional. And I want to tell you, it's okay. It's okay. You're not alone. If you feel shackled in some way in your life, you're not alone. And it's not just dependent on your own faith to become free. It's not just up to you. Have you ever had people tell you, just pray lah. Have more faith and everything will be okay. Something like that, a variation of that. The problem with such messages is that it doesn't actually inspire more faith. When people tell you, have more faith, it doesn't actually inspire more faith in a person. If someone were to say that to me while I was struggling or going through a difficult time, I would probably feel even more inadequate and guilty for not having more faith. But you notice in verses 25 and 26, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. Everyone's chains. Not just the ones who were praying and singing, everyone's chains were unfastened. Although it was only Paul and Silas who were praying, singing hymns that night, yet it was all of the prisoners who were freed. Like somehow the faith of two was sufficient for the whole group. And we also see later that the faith of the jailer led to his entire household hearing the gospel and being saved too. And sometimes you may wonder if you have enough faith or if you have the right kind of faith. But something Nadia Weber said makes a lot of sense. She said, faith is never given in sufficient quantities to individuals. It's given in sufficient quantities to communities. To communities. Because faith isn't an individual competition. It's a team sport. We are the team. It's not whether I have more faith than you, or if your faith is better than mine. God has provided in us all the faith sufficient for our freedom. Almost like a revised version of the story of the paralytic, right? We just have to take turns being the ones lowered through the roof to Jesus and being the ones doing the lowering. Remember that story? the four friends who brought the paralytic to Jesus. Sometimes we are that four friends helping to lower someone to Jesus. And sometimes we are the ones who need help to be lowered. There's enough faith to go around. There's enough love. There's enough freedom. We need to realize that we can rely on the faith of others, the songs of others, the prayers of others sometimes. And we need to also become people that others can rely on. Can others rely on you, on your faith, your songs, your prayers? I reflected on my own life and whose faith, songs and prayers I have relied on to get here. There are many, many people who have made a difference in my life. But one story I heard as a child, remains etched in my memory. My father has 12 siblings. Quite a lot, right? So altogether, they have 13 of them. And my grandfather's first wife died while giving birth to her sixth child, a girl. Due to cultural superstitions and because she's a girl, the extended family considered the girl a jinx, insisted that she would bring bad luck to the family, even more bad luck, if she was not buried with her dead mother. That was a horrific custom at that time, and people reacted out of fear and ignorance. The only reason my auntie, this was my sixth auntie, survived was because a grand-aunt stood up and spoke up for her. And this grand-aunt said, I am a Christian. I know I am a minority in this family, but I don't believe this baby girl is a jinx, and she does not bring bad luck. If no one will take her, I will take care of her, and I'll bring her up myself." And so my auntie stayed with this grand-aunt's family for a while, and eventually returned to her own family after a few years. And every time I think about this story, it gives me chills because I can't imagine what would have happened to my auntie if this grand-aunt didn't speak up, if she wasn't there. It was because of her faith that my grand-aunt spoke up. She knew that there was nothing to be afraid of, whether it was bad luck or being a minority voice in a big family. What she was sure about is that this baby girl is a beloved child of God, and she had to do everything in her power to protect this young, innocent life. And at time, she probably thought she was just saving this baby's life. But the interesting thing is that one person's faith can often leave a heritage, even if you may not live to see it. I'm not sure if she lived to see it, but both of my parents, they didn't come from Christian families, when I was younger, my parents identified as free thinkers. But over time, now, three quarters of my dad's siblings, and that's a lot, right? Because he has 12 siblings, three quarters of my dad's siblings and their families became Christians along the way. Even that auntie who was saved as a baby. And it wasn't because this grand aunt tried to convert everyone, go to everyone, like try to like tell them the gospel. In fact, she didn't even try to share the gospel. She just let her actions and love speak for itself. And so her family was known as that kind and generous, loving Christian family. So when I was born, my parents decided to name me Pauline, after one of their friends. Pauline actually means small and cute, kind of. But this name was, I was cute when I was young. (laughs) <laughs> but this name was originally not in my birth certificate because my grandfather objected to us having English names. But my whole extended family called me Pauline anyway since I was young. And later on, my mom and I became Christians around the same time. And then we brought my siblings and my dad to church. And I decided to get baptised when I was 19. And I chose to keep Pauline as my baptism name to honour my parents' choice of name for me. And also because Pauline is the female form of Paul. And I thought that was kind of meaningful. I didn't know what plans God had for me at that time, but surely God knew. And perhaps my name was just God's way of showing me that God truly knew me even when I was in my mother's womb and that God had wonderful plans for my life. And I know it's true for you too. I'm not more special than you. God knit you together in your mother's womb and knew all the plans for your life. Every generation has something, someone, some people group we need to stand up for. Maybe now we don't have the custom of trying to bury babies with their mother, but we still have children people who need help, people who need to be stood up for. For a church that accepts and affirms the LGBTQIA+, you may think it's enough to just speak up for this community, for the LGBTQIA+. After all, many of us are considered part of a minority group that is actively discriminated against. Whether it's because you're a woman, or because you identify as LGBTQIA, or a member of a minority race, or any other labels that society tends to put on you, you may experience discrimination in various ways. But I want to also let you know, and I want you to be aware, that each of us are complex intersectional beings. There are many intersections within us. We may experience oppression in some ways, but we are also privileged in many ways. For example, I am a woman, I identify as LGBTQ, and there are various ways that I experience discrimination. And when you think about your own life, I'm sure you would be able to think of that too. However, I'm also Chinese, and I'm very aware that I'm part of a majority race in Singapore. I don't experience the microaggressions that our minority races experience every day. And I've had opportunities to be relatively highly educated. That affords me some privileges that gives me access to certain arenas that someone of a different race, or someone with a different educational level, has no access to. So I wanted us to just take a minute to look at our own lives and our own identity. In what ways are you oppressed? In what ways do you sometimes experience discrimination? And in what ways are you privileged? I know this is a question that sometimes you don't really think about, but there's a reason why I'm asking this question, and I'll tell you later, okay? In what ways are you oppressed? Because of your identity, because of whatever labels that society puts on you, But in what ways are you also privileged, so that you have access to some things that others don't? IQ. So I would imagine that is a privilege, right? If you have higher IQ, this world values you more, correct? This world also values educational qualifications. You might be very smart, but if you don't have the right qualifications, you might be penalised for that too. Right? For being LGBTQIA+, right? there The many different discriminations that we face in the world, but especially in Singapore, where even legally it is an issue. Being a gay male, I'm oppressed, but being a male Chinese, I have privilege. Yes, thank you. Oppressed, being minority LGBTQ, Privilege, high-income profession, yes Family and peer pressure Mm -hmm. Coming out in the care centre I guess that would be difficult, right? Lots of discrimination there perhaps Family background and achievements or lack of, yes Groupthink, okay Being white, okay, yeah Being oppressed, yes, mental illness Somehow society has a lot of stereotypes, very negative stereotypes of mental illness and therefore you experience discrimination Privilege is educational qualifications Access to information and technology, yes There are many parts of the world that does not have the same access that we do Oppression does not get in my way anymore, that's great, I'm happy for you Oppressed for not being married with kids, Mm -hmm. no extra, (laughs) in this pay, yes Privilege being middle class Chinese. Having been through an immoral past, oppressed as a woman, as a dependent, right? Privileged by race, cisgendered, wealth, education, considered good looking, yes. Hey, looks is a privilege, right? <laughs> In our world, yes. <laughs> right. Very privileged intellect, looks, ethnicity. Wow, we got everything, huh? Educational background, favour from God, yeah. So good, oppressed, famil- familiar circumstances, poor health. Okay. Thank you so much for taking the time to engage in this reflection exercise with me. And please go ahead and continue to um, put on your responses. We are all complex, intersectional beings. What this means is that we cannot continue living solely under a victim mentality. Because our minority status is not everything that defines us. And I must be careful here to say that I'm not saying forget about your oppression or ignore how you're being discriminated against. That's not what I'm saying. No. We must heal, speak up, resist, and work towards a better world. That's what we're called to do. But I want us to appreciate the marvellous, complex, courageous, strong beings that we are, that each of you are. What defines us first and foremost is that we are children of God, God's beloved, the ones whom God loves. And based on that foundation of love, we have been created to have a unique identity, with a combination of strengths and weaknesses. And in this world, there are places where we are oppressed and places where we are privileged. And I'm talking about our identity because faith is something we engage with all our hearts, with every part of who we are. We don't engage with faith half heartedly, but with all that we are, every single part of us. Paul was a Jew who taught others about Jesus, and that actually made him a minority. I'm not sure if you realize it, but during that time, some people viewed him and Christians with suspicion and disgust because they thought they belonged to a cult, especially a cult that ate flesh and drank blood. That that was what the rumors were at that time. Very strange group of people. But Paul was also a Roman citizen. He knew how to use this privilege to speak truth to power and participate in extending God's kingdom. So the prison is shaken, the prisoners are released, and the jailer, who actually, if you think about it, is himself also a prisoner, but in a different way. He finds a new way of living in the world. His household has a new song to sing. He and his family, they share a table of fellowship with the prisoners. And that is a picture of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Faith, let me see, ah. Ah. Faith leaves a heritage, even though we may not be able to anticipate the outcome. You see, Paul and Silas, they didn't know what their prayers and singing would lead to, right? when they were there in the middle of the night praying and singing. And of course, it wasn't just their prayers and singing that led the jailer and his whole household to faith. There was also the earthquake, right? The chains being loosened. And I think there were physical and metaphorical chains being loosened that day. As well as Paul and Silas's thoughtful consideration for the jailer's life, right? Remember? They all stayed in place, they didn't run out of the prison. My grand-aunt's action of saving my auntie as a baby wasn't the only factor that led many of my extended family members to faith. Each person, each family experienced different things that came together to lead them to faith. See, salvation and transformation, they come through a combination of divine and human actions. But our one action might play a role in someone's salvation or transformation. Our one action might play a really important role in someone's salvation or transformation. And you may not even know it. Earlier on, Wendy was praying and I thought it was such a beautiful prayer. And she said something that was similar to this, that prayer is often equal to action. And also Chambers also said that to say that prayer changes things is not as close to the truth as saying prayer changes me and then I change things. So when you pray, are you ready to be involved in God's answer to your prayer? Are you ready to say, here I am, God use me, if there's something I can do to allay that suffering, to respond to that prayer. Use me. I know all this may sound a little bit daunting, right? But faith is not a competition between individuals. We are not meant to do it alone. It is a team sport. The writer of Hebrews tells us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith. You can find that in Hebrews 11 and 12. When we sing hymns or worship songs, we're not just singing here, now. We join our voices to those who have sung before us. Paul and Silas in the prison, the early Christians in the upper room, the desert fathers and mothers escaping persecution, the civil rights marchers who walked the path of faith and resistance so that every human being can live with dignity. And people like my grand-aunt, who spoke up for a helpless baby. We may not realise it, but there's so much prayer and faith surrounding us all the time. And it has an impact on us in ways that we don't even know. But for those that we do know, I was just curious, who in your life has had an impact on your faith? If you think back on your life and your faith journey, your spiritual journey, Who in your life has had an impact on your faith? Was it your parents? Was it a Sunday school teacher or a teacher at school? Was it an uncle, auntie, brother, sister, cousin, friend? Who? My dad, my parents, my mentor, my pastor, my sister, yeah. Myself, my pastor in rehab. Mm My brother, my primary school, my teacher, my partner. And partner comes out quite a bit, yeah. Pastor as well, yeah. And many family members, right? And school, and friends. My best friend, right? Ex-boss, the FCC community. I'm glad for that. My spouse. Parents come up a lot too. School teacher. So many people who have had an impact on our faith. I want you to see the people up there on the screen. And I want you to know and to realize that these are not special saints. They yeah, are people, ordinary people like you and me. And so if you are a parent, an aunt, a teacher, a friend, a partner, you have the potential to make a difference in someone else's life. Our heritage of faith involves the people who have gone before us, the people presently here with us in community, and the people whose lives we may potentially impact for generations to come because we choose to use our voices, our lives to speak up for and embody love and justice. Our faith needs to be a wholehearted faith, not a fragmented one, one that involves all of us, our whole identity, everything. To love the Lord our God with all our hearts, bodies, minds and souls, heart and mind, body and soul aligned, love that consumes and envelopes the entire self, no holding back, no fear. We cannot live the life of faith half-heartedly. When asked by a religious leader, teacher, to name the most important command of scripture, what did Jesus say? Jesus quoted from the Hebrew scriptures something that the Jews were very familiar with and you you would know that from Deuteronomy. It's a prayer called the Shema, which means here. Because the start of that verse says, here is a prayer that they pray very regularly. Right Here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then Jesus added an extra part to it, an addendum, and he said, and this second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. To live out our faith wholeheartedly is to love. To love God, to love our neighbor, love ourselves, love our enemy. We have the opportunity in this generation to stand up, to speak up, and to embody love in the spheres that God calls us to. Prayer changes us, and then we change things. Will you sing songs of freedom, songs of praise, songs of love, songs of liberation, songs that uplift another's soul even in the darkest night? Remember that we're not meant to do this alone. Paul and Silas had each other, right? And until the pandemic, I didn't realise what joy it is to be able to hear another voice singing next to me together in worship. Until the pandemic, when we couldn't sing, I didn't realise what a beautiful thing that was. I don't know if you feel the same way, but if I was Paul or Silas, hearing another voice singing in the dark, would definitely have strengthened my heart and uplifted my soul. Jesus knew that we needed one another for faith to be strong. And that is why exactly, why Jesus prays for this in one of his last public prayers. The Gospel reading in our lectionary today is actually of Jesus' prayer at the end of his ministry on earth. It is the last night Right, it's the night of the Last Supper. Jesus has shared a meal with his disciples, washed their feet, given them a new commandment to love as he loves, and he told them of his leaving. And then he prays. And this is what he prays. He says, I don't pray for them alone, meaning the disciples, because before this you're praying for your disciples who were with him. I don't pray for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all may be one, as you, Abba, are in me and I in you. I pray that they may be one in us, so that the world may believe that you sent us. I have given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as you loved me. See, Jesus prays to the Father, not just for his disciples, but for those who will believe as a result of their testimony. That means us. Jesus is actually praying for us. And I just want us to pause and consider that for a moment. You are surrounded by prayer. Even Jesus prayed for you. And Jesus doesn't pray for our tolerance or our getting along. Or just us being nice to each other He does not even pray That our differences would be eliminated Instead he prays for our oneness He prays that we would be one As he and Abba are one So that our oneness Would be the revelation of God's presence To the world That does not mean however That we lose our identity Being one, right It doesn't mean we lose our individuality Remember, your identity is very important. You are uniquely who you are for a reason. And we bring our whole selves, not our half-hearted, fragmented selves, but our whole selves to the table. We practice a wholehearted faith. See, oneness is less about numbers. It's not about like two people become one, ten people become one, right? It's more about the quality of relationship. Jesus and the Father are one because they love and give themselves to each other. Oneness is a quality of life, God's life. Jesus' prayer for oneness is ultimately that we will be like God. Oneness is not about eliminating differences, it is about love. Love is the only thing that can ever overcome division. And that is why over and over, Jesus tells us to love with our whole hearts, minds and souls to love God, love your neighbor, love yourself, love your enemy. Our love reveals God's presence in the world. And we can practice a wholehearted faith because God has given us enough faith as a community so that we can take turns lowering each other down to Jesus. We are blessed with a rich heritage of faith those who have gone before us, the faith that exists now between us, and the faith that we leave to generations after us. Today we'll be closing with a song, and it's an old song called, Find Us Faithful. I first heard it when I was a student, so you know it's quite old, uh, quite many years ago, and I found it quite moving and inspiring at that time. And I had chosen this song for worship early on in the week. And yesterday, as I was listening to this song on repeat, I don't know why, but I started tearing. And the two emotions that I felt were gratitude and motivation. Gratitude that you and I are not doing this alone. We are surrounded by prayers and faith and songs and love. We are where we are because of the prayers and faith of Many some of whom we know and some of whom we don't. And motivation because in the same way that others have prayed for us and loved us, I pray that our faith, our prayers, our songs will do the same for others who come behind us. And so I want to invite you, even as you sing this song, may this be your prayer, may this be our prayer. Amen.
1: We're pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road. Those who've gone before us Light the way Cheering on the faithful Encouraging the weary Their life's a stirring testament To God's sustaining grace Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses Let us run the race not only for the prize But as those who've gone before us Let us leave to those behind us The heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives Oh may all. Find us faithful May the fire of our devotion light their way May the footprints that we leave Lead them to believe And the lives we live inspire them to obey memories they uncover become the light that leads them to the road we each must find We live in them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful.
5: Now to a time of communion uh, for those who are joining us from home Now will be a good time to prepare your elements so that um, we can partake the celebration together We gather each Sunday at this table Even though at this time we are not all physically together The table of God's face transcends time and space Because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundary. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to be, you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. The cross is two lines intersecting. The cross is where sorrow meets joy, where pain meets healing, fear meets faith, death meets resurrection, and hate meets love. This This table is at at the the intersection intersection where where two lines meet. meet. This table is the declaration that love is stronger, Love is stronger than hate, stronger than death This table where we break bread is the table of love The center from where love flows
2: This This table is is one of awareness, awareness, awakening, awakening, of of forgiveness, forgiveness, of of reconciliation, reconciliation, of of salvation,
5: of love With grateful heart, we break the space of history to share in your vision of sharing at your table, where all are equal. We all are free. We, we ask you, you to bless, you bless this, bread this bread and this cup. Through this, this meal, make us the body, body of, of Christ, Christ that, that we, we may join with you in promoting, promoting the, well-being the well-being of all of creation. creation. Amen. Amen. We remember on the night when Jesus and his and the disciples had their last meal together. Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it. He gave it to the disciples saying, "'This is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat it, and as often as you do, remember me. In the same way, he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to the disciples. He said, drink this, all of you. This cup is the new covenant, poured out for you and for many. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I now invite the stewards to distribute the elements. For those joining us for the first time, please hold to your elements first so that we can all partake together. Let us partake um, the elements together. I invite you to stand in body and in spirit to join in this prayer.
0: Lord, Lord, make make us instruments of of your peace. peace. Where there is is hatred, hatred,
5: let us sow love. love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is
0: doubt, faith. Where there is is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. light. And And where there there is sadness, Um, well, thank you again for coming to our service, and thank you, Pauline, for, um, for your sermon. I think my prayer about asking God to meet us here today has been answered, um, so thank you. Um, welcome again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for First Realize Everyone's Equal. FCC is an inclusive and affirming church. Uh, that means that you're welcome here regardless of your theological background, your gender identity, your sexual orientation, economic status, or any other label that the world puts on you. So to, to our members who, um, and others who attend uh, us to worship with us regularly, um, and to those joining us for the first time, welcome home. My name is Wendy and I am the service leader for today. Uh, if you're watching this online and the sermon has blessed you, please give the video a like and subscribe to our channel. If you're new to our church or this is the first time that you're joining us online or on site, uh, we invite you to leave your details at fcc.law/welcome or scan the QR code, and one of our uh, pastor or staff will connect with you to find out uh, more about how we can serve your needs. We also have a newcomers meeting every month on the last uh, Sunday, and uh, that's today, uh, after service. Uh, So this is a chance for you to meet our pastors and some of our leaders and learn more about who we are and what we believe as a church. Uh, Like I said, the next meeting is today, and you can sign up. You can still sign up uh, by emailing info at freecomchurch.org. So now let us continue to worship God with our giving Um, Now offering is a time in which we uh, express our gratitude and reliance on God. And there are two ways that you can give. Um, So online by PayNow, by scanning either of the two QR codes. So uh, the first QR code is for the general fund and this goes uh, primarily towards our operating expenses and salaries. So this, and the second QR code is for the building fund which uh, goes towards paying the mortgage on this property. Uh, You can also give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. There is a 1.5% platform fee, uh, but we are grateful for giving in any form. So now please join me in the prayer for the offering. Oh God, our offerings proclaim that work and worship are one, that life is undivided. Use these gifts for your church's ministries of reconciliation, service, and mercy for Christ and his kingdom. Amen. So I now invite the stewards to come uh, forward to collect the offering. If you are on site and you wish to drop cash in the bag, uh, please raise your hand and the steward will come to you. All right, so while the stewards are going around, uh, we have some announcements. Um, So the first one is uh, that FCC will be hosting a conversation uh, with Rabbi Miriam and Imran to talk about uh, LGBTQ uh, issues and the socio historical context of the um, Abrahamic faith and how these perspectives have evolved and where they are today. So it will take place on 15th of June, which is a Wednesday, from 8 to 9.30 p.m. Uh, It will be uh, both on-site and broadcast virtually, and you can sign up at the URL, fcc.law slash hearttruths2022, okay? All right, Uh, we need volunteers, as as always. Um, So we need volunteers for our video production ministry and uh, there will be a uh, practice session for camera operations on 4th of June, Saturday, uh, from 10 to 12 p.m. And again, to sign up, uh, please email us at info at freecomchurch.org. Uh, okay, the next one is on uh, we need volunteers for the worship team. And uh, if you're interested in joining, uh, please email us at info at freecomchurch.org. Okay, now I invite uh, Pastor Pauline to give us the benediction.
4: Will you stand as you are willing and able to receive the benediction? God, we are amazed at how you have led us to yourself, each one of us, the heritage of faith the journey of faith each of us has had and continue to have and will have even in future. God, thank you that you have a purpose for all of our lives and that in some ways our faith, our songs, our prayers can make a difference to the people around us now and to the people who come after us. And so God, help us. Help us to be your people who are strong courageous, and faithful. And may our faithful God go with you, both now and always. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for service today. Um, We're so glad to have you and to see all of you. And please, have a very blessed week ahead, and God be with you.